Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Hey there, how are you doing? You know, my podcast tagline is a podcast for when shit gets weird. Well, my friends, I think shit got weird, and I think it's going to get weirder. COVID-19, this is unprecedented globally. We know this by now. And it's brought out some very good traits in most people. We're checking in on our friends and neighbors more, and most of us like that. One of the things to keep in mind is that your friends and neighbors are dealing with more than this pandemic on any given day. My clients that were struggling in their marriages before this hit are still struggling. My clients who were suicidal before this are still suicidal, and some even more so. My clients who are grieving are still in grief. The coronavirus hasn't put a stop to all of those things. It's just kind of gotten thrown in the mix. So watch out for each other. If you know that someone was struggling with something before, they probably still are. And now it might be worse for them. I also want to mention domestic violence. We're seeing massive spikes already in 911 calls due to domestic disputes and beatings. If there's someone in your life who has had these issues present in their home in the past, please check in on them. Keep an ear out for arguments that sound like they're getting to a dangerous place in your neighborhood or in your apartment building. Remember that abuse of animals is a key indicator of possible spousal and child abuse. People are stressed. Many are broke and scared they won't be able to pay their bills. And all of those things will raise the emotional temperature in a household and raise the risk of domestic disputes. So please watch out for one another. And I'm talking about everyone. If there's a human in your neighborhood who is prone to bouts of anger, they need your support too. See if you can find an in. Maybe share your own struggles first so they don't feel singled out. And then see if there are ways to help each other. Keeping their stress level down just a little might be the most effective thing you can do to keep others in their house safe. So... I want to talk about a couple of words we've been hearing and using lately. Social distancing, which I'll get to in a moment, and essential. If you are one of the millions and millions of people in our country whose jobs have not been deemed essential, you might have been out of work very abruptly. And on top of losing your job, you have this label attached to you now. Non-essential. Ouch. Well, I am here to tell you that you are essential. You matter. And whatever words the local authorities are using to describe your job do not apply to you as a human being. You still matter. And you will get through this, and while all this is happening, ask for help if you need it. Support each other, and this will end. So the next term I want to address is social distancing. This has actually been driving me nuts, because this is not accurate. This is not what we're being told to do. What we're being told to do is physical distancing. We can still be social. Why do you think they call social media social media? Well because it's fucking social. When you FaceTime someone, when you Skype, when you talk on the phone, even when you put a comment out on Facebook, when you wave at your neighbor, you are being social, and this is essential to your well-being, so don't stop doing that. Keep physical distance, but do not stop socializing. Okay. I actually had an email come in with a question for the show, so thank you for that. I love it when that happens. So the question is, if you feel like talking about the ways children get gaslit by well-intentioned parents and when it's good versus when it's damaging, that would be of interest to me. 
So thanks for the question. I'm going to say right sort of off the bat that I think this term is overused and might not even apply to this parent-child dynamic in general, but that's a topic for another day. In general, the term gaslighting uh, refers to manipulating someone by psychological means, means into questioning their own sanity. And that's, I think, where people tend to misuse the term. It's not about just being told something that's not true. It is purposefully manipulating someone into thinking they're crazy. And there's lots of reasons that we tell people things that aren't true to manipulate them, but gaslighting is specifically used for manipulating for the purposes of making that person feel like they are not sane. Um, and, I mean, parents do this to their kids, but it's really rare and it's really horrible. And I'm not trying to dismiss that experience of anyone at all. I mean, there are, unfortunately, twisted fucking humans across the board, and some of them end up being parents. And anyway, barring any mental illness on the part of the parents, when should we be completely honest with our kids, and when should we protect them by hedging the truth? A lot of this comes down to the age of the child, both chronological and emotional. Some parents keep their kids believing in a certain holiday figure for a lot longer than other parents. Is that damaging? I guess it could be if it goes on long enough that the child ends up looking like a total fucking idiot in front of their middle school class. But even when that happens, it's most likely well-intentioned on the part of the parents. It doesn't mean it's not a problem, but at least it's not malicious. So what about the coronavirus? What about drugs and sex? And there's an endless list, but let's stick to the matter at hand. What should you tell your kids about the coronavirus? So I'll be honest, I'm a little out of the loop on this one since my kids are adults and they have control over their own news intake and, you know, we've been sharing info back and forth freely. Um, but in general, I've always been a big advocate of not paying as much attention to the age-specific recommendations by so-called experts um, as you do to, like, who your child is. So some 12-year-olds, for instance, are completely clueless about the state of the world and everything else that doesn't impact them directly on a daily basis. And others have this really kind of wide worldview and are absolutely gutted by any mention of global warming or war or famine. So pay attention to what your kid's general state of awareness is. And specifically if they're, if they're asking for more information or not, obviously they're out of the routine right now. So they know something is up and this will immediately lead some kids to worry about their own safety and those of their loved ones. While others just want to know if they get more screen time now. So in general, I recommend being, careful not to give more information than they really need or asking for, which I suppose is ironic because when my kids were little, my wife was always asking me to give them less information than I was. I was famous for going overboard and going off on long tangents. But anyway, if they are asking you, you need to answer their questions. And it is okay uh, to name for them that there's a lot of uncertainty right now about how long these protective measures will stay in place. It's also okay to talk to them about how many people are getting sick, as long as you're giving them the whole picture. Um, that most people get infected, who get infected have mild symptoms, and most people recover without issue. So you can validate their fears, but don't feed them. And just trust your gut on what they can hear and how they need to hear it. Most kids really just need to know that they're okay, and that their family is okay, and that there are things they can do that will help to keep it that way. Okay. Let's move on to a non-coronavirus-related subject. Um, I want to talk about a method I use with a lot of my clients who seem to be carrying stuff around from childhood. 
Um, we can call it reparenting. We can call it inner child work, whatever you find less cringy. The gist of it is sometimes we have this inner kid and they can really be any age that gets super dysregulated sometimes. Let's say you grew up in an environment where you were never really sure that you were safe. This could be emotional safety, it could be physical safety, or it could be a combination of the two. Maybe you never felt seen or understood. Maybe it never felt like you mattered or like you were worth the love, time, or affection of those around you. That shit sticks. And most people don't come out of those experiences with a clear sense that it was not about them. They don't get that the adults or peers or siblings in their lives failed them in some fundamental way. So when we grow up and we're bopping down the road in our adult bodies, we can still run into situations that flip us back into that little kid not getting their needs met. We can get scared and sad and act out in ways that probably aren't helping us in our adult relationships. A lot of the time it can come out as anger because anger is a safer place to land than fear or this crushing sense that we're really not worthy of the love of others. So what do we do about this? Well, first we have to understand what's happening and why, and that can be a big leap in and of itself. But let's assume for our purposes here that you've identified some of what is causing these episodes of dysregulation, and that it does point back to some of those childhood experiences. And let's further assume while we're at it, and just for fun, that time is not linear. That in some ways you really can go back and find that kid at that age and talk to them. And I know this is getting a little hippy-dippy, but stay with me and try to suspend your cynicism. It will only hurt for a second, I promise. So either through a guided meditation or all on your own because you're so cool and talented, you sit quietly and imagine yourself in a place that feels safe to you, and that kid is there too. And you start thinking about what was going on for that kid at whatever age they show up. Think about what a difference it would have made to you at seven years old to have you as an adult show up assuming this experience didn't send you immediately into some psychotic state, imagine how totally fucking powerful it would be for that child who was so unsure of themselves, so sad, so frightened, confused, to have their older self look them in the eye and tell them that they turn out okay. That so much of what they are going through is not their fault. That the decisions that other adults are making that are hurtful to them are actually not about them. What kind of a difference would that make to them? What kind of a difference would that make to you to truly get that, to feel it as the truth that it is all the way down to that place where that child still lives in us to woo woo maybe, but it's some powerful shit and I've seen it make profound changes for a lot of people and it's not a quick one-off deal. It's the beginning of a new relationship with that part of you. But once that relationship is in place and you can recognize that seven-year-old or that five-year-old or that 12-year-old when they show up now, and instead of feeling like a child in that adult body of yours who doesn't have the first fucking clue about how to handle what's coming up, you actually get to be the adult in the room. You can take a minute, go inward, address that child, and remind them that you got this. They don't have to handle it because you are handling it. And this does two things for you. First, and maybe most importantly, it separates you from this part of you that is flipping out, which in turn allows you to stay grounded in your adultness with all of the cool and effective tools that you've collected over the years to handle this situation. And then you can comfort that kid and remind them that they are safe and the reaction they are causing your brainstem and by extension your adrenal system to have can stand the fuck down. Eventually, once that kid gets the message a bunch of times, they stop flipping out so much because now they really get that it's not up to them to handle the big stuff anymore. 
And I suggest that you don't just contact that kid when they're losing it. Practice by just hanging out with them. Take them for a walk, get them a little high, and take them out for ice cream. And before I get a bunch of concerned citizen calls, I'm not suggesting that you go find an actual 12-year-old and give them drugs. I'm just saying, if you're already inclined towards a little weed now and then, it's something you can do for yourself, and maybe it helps you get more into a kid zone headspace. Maybe this is coming out all wrong. Maybe forget I mentioned that part. Anyway, this shit works. And if it resonates with you, you can take this in a few different directions. Sometimes I'll suggest if there's a particular event that you remember where your younger self was really scared or sad, you can go back to them in that moment. You can comfort them. You can give them a different perspective. I have a client who had a memory of a stepdad who was super scary and he flipped the dinner table over one night. And I asked them to go back to that moment just before that event, kind of like when Scrooge gets to go back, like, you know, with the ghost of Christmas past and watch himself. So I asked him to call that kid over the corner and tell him to watch what's going to happen next because his dad, stepdad, is about to flip the fuck out. And I asked him to point out to that kid that his stepdad is totally unhinged and that it's not about him. It's about the stepdad who's clearly off his rocker. Let the kid know that he's safe and that he survives his childhood. And honestly, this is a really important piece because... Kids who grow up like this, they literally don't know if they will actually survive this experience. So let that kid know that when his stepdad gets out of control like that, it's because his stepdad is acting like a child, like a really big, really scary child. And the kid is actually the more intact one in the room in that moment. So when we do this, we literally rewrite the story around those memories. We can make them less scary, less traumatizing which has a very real impact on who we are now and how we handle potentially triggering situations. You can also go back to good times and watch that kid and be proud of them when they do something brave, maybe something that nobody else saw, maybe something that nobody else in the world even knows about. Let them know that you're cheering them on, that you have their back. In short, be the adult that they really needed, that they didn't get to have. It's not too late. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for me today. I hope you're staying away from other people. You don't need to stay in your homes. You can go for a walk. Currently, the sun is shining. But do stay away from other people and do take care of your health. If you have any questions for me that you'd like me to address on the podcast, you can email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. If you would like to set up a Skype appointment with me, you can get in touch with me through Durango Psychotherapy. You can shoot me a text or give me a call at 970-903-393. So until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other.